Hi, and welcome to my podcast. I'm your host, Jason, and you found a fun and secret time capsule from my baby son. Each episode, I sit down and chat with a special guest about friendships, pop culture, parenting, and whatever strikes my fancy. Really, the end goal is to make sure that when my son does eventually discover this, he's thoroughly embarrassed. In the meantime, I'm not quite sure where each episode or where the show is going, but getting there should be half the fun. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can subscribe and rate this podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and on our host, Anchor FM. Music used for this podcast includes Live Wire by Steve Combs, With a Whimper by Josh Woodward, and Olivia by Heisen. You can email us at halfthefunpodcast at gmail.com and send us voicemails through the Anchor FM app. You can check out more photos and commentary about this episode on our website, halfthefun.fun. That's halfthefun.fun and like us on Facebook. Want to be on the show? Drop us a line. See you next week. All right, well, yeah. welcome to Half the Fun Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jason, and I am jo- joined by my lovely co-host, Allison. Hello, hello. And uh, this is a fun uh, second Peps uh, edition. We are very excited to have um, Lucy join us. Thanks for coming onto the show, Lucy. My pleasure. <laughs> Terrific. Um, well, we know you through Peps. And for those who you, of you who have not listened to our uh, soon-to-be-airing Peps episode, Peps stands for program for early parenting support thank you thank you (laughs) um and that is where we met you which is very exciting um so we're excited to ask you lots of questions as someone who's gone through uh going through not gone through going through a lot of uh similar um parenting type adjustments to your life right now so and we've uh we started hanging out uh or attending peps last june yeah june so it's been almost Mm -hmm. a it's been a good amount of time. So we're excited to get your perspective as a parent. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a lot of questions for you. But uh, my first question would be, um, just why did you decide to enroll in PEPs? Or how did you first hear about it? I, I think I heard about it through mutual friends. Um, and I really had a hard time getting pregnant. And we had some miscarriages. And um, the sort of like off again, on again of feeling like I got to be in the group of the club of people who talked about pregnancy and babies and then getting that taken away. And then you're in a different club of miscarriages, which is way less fun was, um, not, it was not that great. And so I, I think when we finally were expecting and, um, we, I just wanted to do everything. I wanted to do all of like, I did the mom's peps group and I did the couple's peps group and I joined a listening mother's group and I was just really ready after four years to like run at it with open arms. Did you, after joining that many groups, did you regret it later? Like, oh my God, I joined way too many groups. I did no, not regret it. It was all good. It was great. Yeah. Uh, and they I'm, were all in the neighborhood. So it wasn't yeah. too, um, yeah, it was okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little jealous. I kind of wish I had done more like you did. I know they I kept trying to get a listening dads group off the ground right. I feel like and that there just weren't enough dads so unfortunately it would have lined up really well with with my paternity leave but I think it's hard so much harder for um non-primary caregivers to get time off mm-hmm. yeah after a baby's born do you uh, I guess my first question my uh, sorry that was question number one question number two for you would be um, so you joined two different peps groups so for uh, listeners that are not familiar with peps uh, you have typically two options you can either do an evening program with you and your partner or you can do a day one which is uh, for just for one the primary caregiver which most nine times out of ten is is, is the is the mom so uh, so you attended both how was attending a super amount of peps groups <laughs> um it was somewhat repetitive um but that really didn't bother me it was not a big drawback to watch the video on postpartum depression at two times was fine mm-hmm. um <laughs> but i i think that the groups differed and i think that probably every group differs based on who's a part of it mm-hmm. so um for the morning peps group one you know everybody when we when we are a part of peps we do get to take a survey on which topics we'd like to cover. And then there's some like that they always cover. So, you know, I think 
in the moms group, one of the ones that we picked was like partner intimacy. And I think that that would have been a more awkward topic um, with couples, with right. partner, <laughs> <laughs> partners there. So um, that one was, we had a pretty frank discussion in the moms group that I appreciated. And, um, but I will say that I think that you guys, no surprises that you have a podcast, that you guys are, <laughs> are like organizers and you bring people together around you, which is so lovely. And um, that you are part of the reason why we've all continued to enjoy hanging out. I also think that um, most people go back to work. And I, I'd say more than I think that it's true. Most people go back to work Mm -hmm. and, um, you want to spend time with your partner and have family time on the weekends. Mm -hmm. So then to get together with just the moms and again, have this like solo time after everybody goes back to work is much harder. Also, I, I think we just didn't have like the right leaders or organizers, including me in the moms group to really make it go so I think the couples group for us socially has been ex- just really great. I assume with the moms only group that the main thing you get from it is being able to talk openly about your partner and difficulties or struggles you're having with your partner because that partner is kind of anonymous. You know, yes. they're, they're not there. Nobody knows them exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, were there other things you got from that group? That you didn't get from the couples group at all? Or was it just kind of since it was a different mix of people getting different perspectives was helpful? I started the mom's group really early. I think mm-hmm. Luna was two weeks old. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So um, I think it was helpful timing for me to go and have a two-week-old and have all these women who had babies that were slightly older and um, just have a lot of support weekly in – the transition to having a baby really early on. I think that was great for me. Um, it was the first time I left the ho- my house alone with the baby wow. to go to mm-hmm. my oh, first yeah. house group. Yeah. And um, so again, all in the neighborhood, all mm-hmm. really good practice for mm-hmm. trying to leave the house. And um, yeah, I think that, I think that having early practice, supportive group and being able to talk to about our partners and, was really pretty helpful. And then we had slightly different topics or ways of approaching them. Mm -hmm. So what were, I mean, I don't want to have you out any of the other moms in your group, but what were some of the common threads of problems with your partners that came up in your guys's conversations and follow up to that? What were kind of the solutions that you guys came up with? Allison, this is a great question. Yes. And I was super, that's a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Um, I Let me see if I can reach back in my memory and say some general things. I think uh, talking about our partner's transition back to work mm-hmm. was definitely something we talked about and how hard that was. And the our leader was, had led several PEPS groups and had so many systems in place in her own house and relationship that helped her like about money and about just about the schedule and about she had lots of things to say and lots of good advice about those kinds mm-hmm. of logistical things mm-hmm. or those kinds of logistics mm-hmm. um let's see i think mostly communication mm-hmm. uh definitely differencing differences in point of, points of view i think i remember one couple the partner was watching a violent show on television and the baby was right there and she was like hey i don't think we discussed this and her partner was not as understand you know like the baby doesn't understand english or what right but he's seeing so what's the big deal and um so we just talked about some things she might be able to say and how to talk about it and um yeah and then there was another time. I don't know. There's there's lots of things. I don't. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I'm sure. I'm not sure. I can do any That's better. Okay. No, no, no. I was just <laughs> kind of interested. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious whether. I mean, I think you're kind of self-selecting, right? If you and your partner do a peps group together, you're inherently your partner is at least marginally interested in like attending like these things like once a week. Whereas the maybe the mom's group, you might not have a partner who is as interested or who or who can attend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Tell me a little bit more about listening mothers. That's something I'm not quite as familiar with. It is, uh, oh, wow. This is just, I just feel like it's the fog of 
having a newborn is like <laughs> yeah. so on that, on any specifics or intelligent thing I could say about it. Um, listening Mothers is definitely research-based mm-hmm. and it, you have a person who leads your group and you meet um, around town. And I don't think it says neighborhood-based, although I went to one just a few blocks from where I live, which was great. So um, you meet at some somewhere different every week? We met at the same place every week. Oh, okay. Um, and it was a social worker... Nope, she was a counselor, and um, she had an office right by Bent Burger, and yeah, so I I went just like above it, sort of, mm-hmm. and um, into this little office where we mm-hmm. had a bunch of ladies, and we talked about um, mindfulness. Mm-hmm. We did mindfulness exercises. Um, we talked about definitely did sort of like a Gottman overview um so like so Gottman um did a program called bringing baby home and it is about the transition to parenthood and it really isn't so much about what it means to take care of a baby as it is working on the partnership relationship Mm -hmm. so there's like tools and cards and things like um one thing they talk about is bids for attention ways you might bid for your partner's attention that isn't specifically saying hey i would like some attention mm-hmm. you might say like look at the bird outside mm-hmm. and they might not be interested in taking their attention away from what they're doing and looking but it's it's actually an important thing. it's an it's a bid for attention so mm-hmm. just to yeah acknowledge that and um to work on paying attention to your bids and, and just like talking about things that are present in relationships that tend not to work and things that are present in relationships that tend to work um so i think that bringing baby home is probably where you'd get in a uh, it's usually for couples and, or, and there's probably other workshops that aren't about mm-hmm. having a baby, mm-hmm. but, um, this was just a quick, um, and there were some readings, which I appreciated as well. Uh, one of the things I appreciated about the mindfulness exercise was when Luna was really little and she would just cry and cry and cry sometimes. And I could sometimes feel myself like sort of shutting down in order to cope with it. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. You guys know yes. better than I yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, talk and like just trying to leave myself open to it and open to her and whatever she was experiencing. Not that I think people trying to cope in different ways with their baby crying a lot is a bad, I mean, not that there's mm-hmm. bad ways to do it necessarily. Yeah. Um violence but um <laughs> yeah that would be yeah the bad other way. than that yeah. <laughs> yeah. um so yeah yeah I, w- I will say definitely when we um after one of our hospital visits with Wes within the first week, they gave us the the purple crying DVD, which was basically like, oh, your baby's going to be crying a lot, like a lot, a lot. <laughs> and uh, and I was laughing, kind of like snorting at the time because it was like, don't shake your baby. <laughs> don't shake your baby. And then like especially around like month two, month three, when like Wes was doing some things and, you know, and crying, all and the crying time. a lot and had yeah. reflux. Then like, like all these words kept floating back to me like, oh yeah, I shouldn't be shaking. Like not that I was ever going to shake my baby. Right. But just like all those, those feelings are just yeah. like, oh my, like, of like being frazzled and stressed you're just, out. You're so exhausted and you just want it to stop and you just want to sit down or lay down. Yes. There, there's times when those thoughts can sneak in and it was something I never could understand before I had a baby. I was like, oh my God, what kind of parent shakes their baby? Like I just, who, what evilness would overtake someone in order to do that? And then I'm like, no, it's not evilness. <laughs> it's exhaustion and loudness and not being able to solve a problem that you think should be solvable. I know. Our, um, one of our friends just had a baby um, about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. And we had previously like handed them the same purple crying <laughs> DVD. And they were they had this weird look on their face like, oh, why why would we ever like need this? Like, don't shake yeah, our baby. They had that look on their face like, oh, OK, thanks. But I don't think we're going to need this. Like, I don't I don't know. But we'll see. We'll see. In three <laughs> we'll <months>. see. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to talk to you a little bit more about like I, I've always known you as like Luna's mother, but I and but I had like the joy of hanging out with Brett, your partner, um, during the beer fest thing around Christmas time, and it was a lot of fun to just like chat and and have fun within a baby free context. So um, I don't ever think I got the story. Do you have a fun meet cute story about how you and Brett met, or like a fun first date type story that really exemplifies your relationship? 
Um, I don't know. I can't think of like a first date, but we met swing dancing. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's crazy. That's super so, fun. So that's a like cotton candy sweet cute, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where was this? I, I want more details. Where, where, where is this located? Um, Why did you guys go to swing dancing event? And so. did he ask you to dance? I, I need more details. Is he a good swing dance lead? Yeah. Or did he step on your toe? I, I'm just making things up in my head. Was it more now, like so. Lindy Hop? Or what? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. got Let's do it. Lindy Hop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so there is a thriving swing dancing community in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I was a very like de- devoted member of it. Really? Not that you have to buy a membership because you don't yeah. you have to show up. For, How long were you swing dancing before? Um, maybe, I think I was dancing for maybe six years before I met Oh Brian. my gosh. Maybe five. Was this at Century? Yeah, I went to the Century a lot mm-hmm. and I really didn't take a ton of classes, okay. mostly just social dancing. So, um, Remind yeah. me to tell you about my hip hop class at Century. Absolutely. <laughs> I can right now I'll remind you. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's so. a it's a short story. I showed up and could not hip hop dance. <laughs> and I I left. <laughs> it was embarrassing. Did you tell the whole story? Like Oh, well, yeah, I so I was watching a lot of So You Think You Can Dance, because I love that. We've actually watched it together. Yes. And I kept looking at the dancers thinking, this looks like so much fun and so easy. Like anyone can do this, right? I I could be on So You Think You Can Dance if I just took a hip hop class. Yes. And so I immediately signed up for a hip hop class at Century Ballroom, show up and there's like 50 other people in the class. I can barely see the instructor. He's going so fast, fast, like eight beats at a time, you know, within a few seconds and then moving on. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like I cannot keep up. I cannot learn these steps. And I look over at the woman next to me who's got to be in her late 40s, early 50s. And I'm like, oh, thank God, like someone else who is also lost and not knowing what she's doing because I made the presumption because of her age. She also didn't know how to hip hop dance. And then we're doing the the next like set of moves and I look over and she's killing it. And I'm like, I am in my 20s. Like I should be so swag. I, I can't even use that word. Like, I don't know. And I just like went to the back row and hoped no one was watching and eventually just like left in shame with my head down. And I was like, I can never go back to Century Ballroom <laughs> ever again in case someone was like that girl in hip hop. <laughs> Anyway, but but you, you were went. doing swing dancing for yes. six years. Yeah. Yeah. I was not competitive. Like I said, mostly social. I think mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. did a couple like Jack and Jill competitions where you get randomly assigned a partner. Mm. So yeah, never. Yeah. In the like six years I did like two or yeah. something. Yeah. And um, yeah, Lindy Hop Balboa. I even did the social shag, which is not so much the later shag. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so was, this, was this like a social dance that you met Brett at mm-hmm. then? And had he yes. also been similar social swing dancer? Or so what I was mean, his we've backstory? we've seen each other around and uh-huh. he started taking classes. I think he'd probably been there about a year before we really connected. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was taking dances, sw- uh, swing dancing classes because he was working from home and was a recent, more recent transplant to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking like, I need to either move home or actually meet some people here so he started taking swing dancing classes at the century ballroom and we ended up i think he made some friends friends with some of my friends and so we ended up in the same circle um and what kind of dancer was he spill all oh well i was a little better Uh (laughs) that's what i was thinking yeah but he's he's like a nice he's a nice guy he's not creepy he's um can definitely dance and i always really enjoyed yeah always really enjoyed our dances Mm-hmm. Is that something you've con- continued to do after you got married, or have you gone swing dancing since you had Luna? Um, no, we've not gone swing dancing since we had Luna, and also very little before that. My oh. uh, my job requires so swing dancing in Seattle happens very late at night oh, for parents, in particular, <laughs> and for nurses and whoever. So um, yes, I I was not able to start doing something at nine thirty at night. That was not like a starting time. It was like a bedtime. Yeah. Bedtime so, for sure. Yeah. They, uh, it's just kind of something that didn't end up working out for me anymore. I had a job for a long time as a physical therapy aide where I worked from seven, uh, 10.30 in the morning to 7 at night. So it, was, it worked well mm-hmm. for that 
period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So it, did you ask him out or did he ask you? Like, how did that first start? So we had some friends, mm-hmm. mutual friends. We went on a camping trip and then mm-hmm. we were planning another one and everybody but us dropped out. Oh, uh, wait. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Oh, was this, was the fix in? I, I don't actually know. I don't know if the fix was in. Would Brett know or your friends? Know? He, he might know, but they might have all just, I don't know if it was like kind of, I don't know. I never so thought when, about it. When you found out everyone dropped out and you're like, it's just me and Brett, were you? I was like, I'm game. <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, I, I liked him at that point yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, that is oh, super we're, cute. We're definitely going to ask Brett <laughs> next time I see him. Yeah. But whether the fix was in or not. Yeah. That's awesome. Um. Did, uh, I guess random question. Did you guys like swing dance for your like first uh, while well, at your wedding? Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, yes. So cute. I would yes. love a photo of that if you have okay. a moment. That'd be great. All right. We have photos of that. That is terrific. Oh my goodness. I I know. New I things you learned. New things I would never have guessed about you. <laughs> no. Did you have a love of swing and dancing? So before that, so you've been doing it for a number of years. How do you feel like your love, where did your love of dancing come from? Uh, I think I always loved dancing. I loved I took ballet and through the sixth grade and um, like tap before that. I really loved ballet, at least how other people looked when they did it. <laughs> um, I got a lot of comments about how tall I was. I was always, I've always been a very, very much taller than most of my cohort. So um, there were there were even times when I people would tell me like, oh, you know, I, I wanted to take a gymnastics class or a tumbling class. And they'd be like, you're just too tall for that. <laughs> right. At the age of six or seven, it just seems like, <laughs> what? Exactly. And like, you're never going to be a gymnast. And I, I, I just kind of felt like that wasn't maybe the point was to become right. a gymnast. Right. Um, so <laughs> That's really silly. Yeah. So I've, sometimes I talk about like how Luna is never going to be a gymnast most likely, but on the other hand, like it doesn't matter at this time. So yeah. we'll see what she wants to do. Wow. You know, actually, Allison and I were having a pretty spirited debate about um, what oh, things yeah. we should get Wes involved in and oh, both yes. the doing things that he allow him to discover the things that he loved, which was definitely Allison's um, perspective. And uh, I was more of a, well, absolutely. But, you know, there should be some things he does because it's good for him type of kind of balance when we were talked a lot about like music um, that's something that I was a huge part of my childhood, even mm-hmm. though I definitely had waves of not enjoying music at all. But I, in retrospect, I really enjoyed um, doing 18 years of music as, as a child. So do you have like some thoughts or ideas now that you've s- survived almost the first year of just taking care of a baby? Um, we definitely talk about um, what sports are more expensive and more <laughs> dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for so sure. those kinds of activities we've discussed um, I am glad that she won't have too much exposure to American football because that is a dangerous sport. But as a woman, she's less likely to be involved in that. So if we don't say anything, probably won't happen. Yeah. <laughs> statistically yeah. speaking. Yeah. Um, I also tennis. Brett really loves to play tennis and it is an expensive sport. Mm-hmm. So just from like a lesson standpoint or just like being part of a getting access Club. to tennis courts yeah. and so, stuff like that so even at amy Yee, which is public city owned it's you still have court fees for every time you want to play mm-hmm. um even just casually and then also there's getting your racket strung which i don't know how often everyone does it but brett gets his racket strung pretty often and i i don't think he's like okay <laughs> i don't think he's doing i don't think he's doing it unnecessarily right and also if he doesn't do it he gets tennis elbow Oh, so good. Okay. or yeah. like a pain in his arm. I don't know if it's tennis elbow. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it happens playing tennis, right? <laughs> Does it ever happen where he's like, "Oh, I've got tennis elbow and I can't pick up Luna." Like, never. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> that would be my one stipulation. That's never <laughs> happened. <laughs> good. No. Um. So I, you know, having like nice soft string and. Or I don't even know if that's the right thing, actually. But so getting your shot, I mean, even aside from the string, which he gets from his brother, who's a tennis pro in Atlanta. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh-huh. So he, like, minus the cost of the string, it's like $35 a racket. And I'm not even sure if that's still the going rate. It might be more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like every two weeks. And then you have more than what? one racket because if that's it breaks crazy. string, then you have to switch to another racket. So it's, a, it's an expensive sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't know. And then I don't really know if crew is expensive, 
but she I know that for a tall person it's it's a, it's advantageous to be tall. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. You can generate the leverage yes. from your legs. Yep. And I always think about rich kids doing crew, so I don't know if that means that you have to be rich in order to do crew or what. We'll find out. I don't I don't I think here in Seattle it's okay cuz I feel like a ton of people do crew mm-hmm. and yeah. where I feel like maybe in other places where you have to drive 2 hours to the lake oh, it right. requires a certain amount of luxury time to be able yeah. to do that. I just the first thing that comes to my mind is that in college, they tried to get me to do crew. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. I love the water. I love just boats in general. This this seems lovely. And I'm like, okay, well, we're, uh, you know, practice starts at five o'clock in the morning. And I was like, nope, I am leaving right this second. Like, that's not <laughs> happening. So I don't, I'm sure that like for most sports, you have to get your kids there mm-hmm. at a v- early hour. And I was about to say that's going to be really hard, but then I'm doing that right now at 4:30 every morning. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, the other thing that I think we, I personally have a huge hope for for her, um, which I think will be both enriching to her and hopefully fun as well, is to just figure out her brand of creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of kids, if they don't like to draw, think that they're not creative, and um, that doesn't mean that they aren't. But just mm-hmm to uh, personally lean in and help her explore whatever she likes to do that's creative. I I mean, I have plans right now to like throw so many art supplies in her direction as time goes on, but um, it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be art like that. I hope I can stay friends with you and people like you because I hope it rubs <laughs> off on me because I'm not an art- artsy person mm-hmm. at all. And so, but I want... Wes to be exposed to that I so that if he is passionate about it. That so. you're going to make some dioramas. That's what I heard. I know. I keep saying that and <laughs> what, that it doesn't there? happen. <laughs> what was this? No, we've talked about this. We wanted to have dioramas Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. to yeah. celebrate certain holidays for Wes. I don't know why we had that thought, but I don't know. It, it sounded wonderful and magical at the time. It's a great thought. Yeah. And so I keep thinking every holiday, this is going to be the holiday where I make that diorama and never happens but i have been thinking about it recently i'm like what holiday is coming up and all i can think of is july 4th and that does not sound like a fun sexy diorama (laughs) (laughs) go to the next holiday yeah 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 although our friend austin did do a president's day diorama that was pretty awesome so which was literally of different presidents Yeah, yeah yeah and he invited his he had a party president's day party and invited everybody to make dioramas, of which many friends actually did. I was surprised. And everyone had an awesome diorama. So, you know, I, I, I had him on the podcast, but I did, we did not talk about that president's. I talked about his clue birthday party mm-hmm. um, or his um, curling yeah. birthday party. Yeah. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of my friend, a lot of my friend group invests a lot of time into it. Before we were parents, uh, a lot of elaborate um, birthdays. So, that's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good segue. So something we talked about in PEPs, and I don't remember your answer. So I'm going to ask you again about um, kind of traditions or um, uh, rituals or things like that, that you really hope to either that to pass down to Luna or things that you feel like will be really important, um, or that important for you and Brett in terms of as Luna grows older. We, um, I, this is very up in the air. I mean, Obviously, we haven't started it yet, so it would be anyway, but we don't know. Both of us come from a sort of Christian background. Mine is more fundamentalist evangelical and his is Episcopalian, Southern Episcopalian. Um, so we grew up in that setting, but I don't, but neither of us is religious now in that sense. Um, so we like a lot of the traditions and I like, I like a lot of ritual and tradition, but I don't. Mm-hmm like religion (laughs) so um i i have been thinking a lot about how i'm going to um have special foods and and things that will be you know like i was thinking about this last year i was thinking about what luna's advent calendar might be for next year and we have a little cloth one with fabric pockets and um i was thinking of having one that says like walk to the christmas lighthouse there's one in the neighborhood is like just blown out of proportion for Christmas lights. So that would be like a nice activity that we could do. Um, and just di- different things like that. So experiences for sure. And uh, 
maybe you make Christmas cookie. I'm not sure. Gingerbread cookies yeah. on one day or yeah, maybe not. I don't know if she'll be up for gingerbread cookies this next Christmas. How old, how old do you need to be to do those? <laughs> I think any age. Okay. Just, to, just yeah. to eat them. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. maybe not to make houses, but I can barely make a house oh, anyway. No, I, so I yeah. was yeah, thinking yeah. about houses. Yeah. But I like the food centered mm-hmm. tradition. I like that. Maybe better than diorama. <laughs> centered. <laughs> can do holidays. Both. Yeah. It's true. You can, we can do as many as we want. Yeah. yeah. A diorama made mm. of food. <laughs> so I, yeah, I look forward to those kinds of things and, um, Sometimes I think Brett has a background in poetry, oh, creative writing right, right. with an emphasis in poetry. So sometimes I think maybe we'll have like, um, you know, the Christian Advent wreath with the four candles. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And they like each weekend of December, you read a part of the gospel, probably. I can't remember now. And oh I'm flooded with memories right I now. Know. And then yeah. the unity candle in the center that you light on Christmas Day. See, yeah. so I like all the lighting of the candles and the being together and the... um all of that but i don't necessarily need the bible part of it uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. maybe we'll have like a poem or something or talk about the things about winter that we like or i'm not sure what but um what a great idea i love that idea thank you yeah i guess a similar question is something i asked um my friend jake which is an another unaired po- podcast episode they're all they're all unaired um um <laughs> would be just as you maybe a, a bigger question would be like uh, if you and Brett aren't r- r- planning on raising Luna in any specific religion, in terms of like ethical or moral formation, like what kind of things have you thought about that at all? In terms of, are you just going to tackle that when it's when it's time? <laughs> well, I've I've definitely thought about um, her being a good person according right. to what I think that is, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so empathy is really high on my list of things that she learns and gains in life and i think um emotional intelligence i think kids who like you were talking about have exposure to music are much more likely to have um good emotional awareness and intelligence and also i think empathy as well but i can't remember what i've read about that uh it's supposed to be good for that stuff and um talking about what other people might be thinking or doing when you see things happen is a good way for kids to sort of start learning empathy and i so i think that that's feels really important to me um yeah more yeah definitely have a lot of hopes for her and um i think that probably loving her which is what we all plan to do and um trying to remember to love her first before correcting or along with correcting will be a, I, in my mind or maybe what i've read but i can't remember um, that will be a huge help or push in the right direction. Thank you. Yeah, it's something I don't think Alice and I have given. No, s- we haven't really talked about that at all. Yeah, uh, I we I, probably I d- should. That it seems really important. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, there's the different moral formations. For, uh, <laughs> right. Anyway, um, but yes, yeah, so we were both watching. Uh, I finally got Allison to start watching The Good Place on on oh, TV, yes. which. I I love, I've plugged multiple times, but I would say just that kind of, you know, what do we owe to each other? How do we be good kind of right. within a very philosophical framework and not within a religious framework, which I've really enjoyed. Yeah, You know, um, I've watched that show a few times, but never very focused. Mm-hmm. And I can see how those specific questions would be, um, would be coming up in the show. And I wonder what the answers are in the show because I... I apparently am folding laundry or doing something else. I don't know. <laughs> no, no problem. That's why it's on Netflix. You can yeah, just watch just it watch again. Yeah, just watch it again mm-hmm. and focus on it next time. Awesome. Uh, I have been, I think I asked you, and uh, we're not 100% sure. Could you tell me more <laughs> about your thought process of choosing uh, your baby's name? Ooh, yes, sure. Um, we didn't want to do it too quickly because mm-hmm. we wanted it to be a viable pregnancy before we started talking about that. For sure. So we had lots and lots of very terrible joke names. Um, such as? Such as. <laughs> one day I proposed we call our baby. Well, I was enjoying the squid ink puttanesca at uh, La Medusa's. Oh, oh yeah. So good. Which is, it's a restaurant in our neighborhood. Yes, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's delicious. That food is delicious. And I thought we could call our baby Putinesca and refer to her as Putin for short. <laughs> <laughs> and another political 
joke was I thought algorithm and we could call her Al Gore for sure. <laughs> I love it. Yes. And then a name that would be um, kind of like almost other names, but not quite would be Blive with a V. And I, yeah, right. And you just want to go Blive? Not, yeah. not Blythe. Right. Blythe. And not Clive. Gotcha. But Blythe. Gotcha. So even just like having to do that, I don't know. We thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, but like small little torture. Right. right. Your yeah. Born child. Wait, Blythe? Hey, yeah. What? Exactly. Blythe with a V. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. Um, so when it was a viable pregnancy, did you guys come to a name very easily or was there lots of discussion slash arguing trying to pinpoint the name? Um, easier than I thought. There yeah. was a while when I thought we would never both agree on a name. Mm-hmm. Um, so we definitely had a list of family names and then we were just scouring the world for other names. Um, I really liked Luna and so I sort of I sort of won Mm-hmm. that <laughs> yeah so did you convince him to that name so I, you know ultimately i think his hairdresser did what what was yeah. that story so he went to get his haircut and he was saying you know she just really loves luna and her name is lucy and you can't i can't have two lose in my life yeah and she was like that's not that's not actually a problem yeah <laughs> your wife is lou she can be lulu if you really need her to shorten yeah. the yeah. name luna and um and then he really wanted to name our baby Tennyson. It really wanted to. And she said it has the word son in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of, you know, patriarchal. Yeah. yeah. So I think that was a big sway for him. Yeah. Call her Tenny for short. I know. I really, I, that's immediately what I thought name. was a nickname. Tenny yeah. is adorable. It's adorable. Yeah. yeah. It's adorable. But I, I do agree that the Tennyson seems more like a male kind of name yeah not that it has to be no but mm-hmm. anyway yeah. yeah so you love luna Do, was that i mean i think i asked you i think our very first pep meeting was like was that based off of the harry potter books in terms of so yes and no i mean okay. i love the name gotcha. so i'm not thinking about luna lovegood but every time i look at my daughter <laughs> but, <laughs> um and there's also the band luna and um so yeah terrific yeah i guess that That's- has that been a name you've loved for years and years and no. you've been waiting all right just kind of no. you happened on it yeah you... in the last bit okay yeah a few years i think yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. do you mind um and we can definitely skip this so we, we talked a lot you you previously mentioned uh, it took took a while for you to have luna mm-hmm. um so i guess what kind of feelings did you have when you knew that when did you start getting really like emotionally excited about it in terms of you talked about you know not really picking names until Mm -hmm. like it was a viable pregnancy but um what at what point do you feel like you were really excited i mean with some probably some complicated feelings there yes um so i think in my mind leading up to the 20-week ultrasound where they do all of the measuring Mm -hmm. i was like kind of i uh reserving some of my hope for then but it's really hard. I um, had a previous pregnancy that did not pan out. And I remember going in for a six-week ultrasound to see if there was a heartbeat. And I was sitting on the bed and I was like looking at Brett like, I'm already attached. I already am going to be really, really sad if this doesn't work out. And um, so that's hard because you just try not to hope or try not to get too involved or try not to anything. Try not to stress. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... And it, we did have a heartbeat and it just didn't work out later on. But um, I think I was sort of waiting for that 20-week ultrasound um, to really say all, you know, all systems go, all the measurements look good, she's ready. So that at this is not even anything. She's totally fine and she was totally fine. But they had a – so I had a previous pregnancy that um, we learned was not – living anymore at about 15 weeks um and i think it i think the heartbeat stopped somewhere around 12 or 13 weeks mm-hmm. and um it i had a dnc or a dne if you want to be really specific about it and um they said do you want to have cytogenetic testing meaning do you want to know why your baby didn't live basically or your fetus didn't survive because mm-hmm. i'm a medical person <laughs> Um, and so I said, yes. And later was super happy to learn that 
our insurance did cover it because I don't, I didn't even think about that when I was like, yeah, do yeah, it, please. Could you like $3,000, um, which I might still say yes to, but it'd be nice to have that <laughs> right. in the equation. Anyway, so um, we found out it was trisomy 18, which means you have three 18 chromosomes, chromosome 18s, I should say. Um, and so 321 chromosomes is Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. 318 chromosomes is, uh, ooh, I think it's Edwards, and 313 is Patel syndrome. Wow, I'm a little shady, yeah, shady on this. Yeah. These are things I really could rattle off to you mm-hmm. a while back. Mm-hmm. I think there is something about being a mother that mm-hmm. it makes your brain make room for yes, different yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> um, so trisomy 18 and 13 are really, uh, generally speaking, incompatible with life. Those babies generally don't live um, very long or go to term. And so that's what we found out we had. And so that was – I did a lot of reading about it and um, – so in the 20-week ultrasound with Luna, they said oh, she has a choroid plexus cyst in her brain, which is just like a little pocket of amniotic fluid. So it's just not draining right now. It's lots of babies have these and it's nothing at all. But it is also associated with trisomy 18. Mm. I couldn't really believe I was hearing those words again. And everything else measured and looked really good. But I was... I was, we were, I think, so we were like happy and looking at her hands and her feet Mm -hmm. and her everything. And then she said this thing and I noticed it on the ultrasound. I was like, what's that in her brain? It looks asymmetrical to me. And she said, yes. Um, So they came in and talked to us and they said, I think that normally we wouldn't even say this is a problem, but because of your history. Oh, I, so just to get more technical. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Just to get more technical, so uh, there is a blood test that is a screen, not a diagnostic, called the cell-free DNA test, and there are certain brands like... Yeah, yep, we, 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 we did, did that, that one yeah. at, at 12, 11, 12 weeks, yeah. actually, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so I did two, but then mm-hmm. I went an ultrasound because in my trisomy 18 pregnancy that didn't last, I had a good... Oh, self-free really? DNA test. Wow. I, I had a false be, uh, negative, oh my which wow. is supposed to be super-duper rare. Yeah. So... They were like, well, you have this great harmony test. I just don't think it's actually a thing. Mm-hmm. And I said, mm-hmm. well, <laughs> I had a false negative before. Yeah. Um, so she, they said, well, why don't you make an appointment with maternal fetal medicine because of your history? And um, I talked to the midwives later that day, which was really helpful because they highlighted some of the other things that you would see in a baby with trisomy 18, like rocker bottom feet and unable to open the hands. And mm-hmm. there are just a bunch of other uh usually it can manifest itself in different ways but um organ abnormalities Mm -hmm. and so i could i could know that she did not have rocker bottom feet and even in the 12 week ultrasound you could see she had a clear open hand we even had a photo of it that i could like go and look at Mm -hmm. and um so there were things that i could say it's really unlikely that this is the case but it was nice to get a couple visits in with maternal fetal medicine anyway and um I think we had our last appointment with them on Trump's inauguration day. <laughs> so interesting. Mm. What a time. Mm-hmm. And um, the doctor came in and she said, after I had another ultrasound, she said, you just you just have a beautiful baby. And that really was really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. at that point we started thinking, okay, we can plan for this. I still didn't feel like I was able to say mm-hmm. I'm going to have a baby until I had a baby in my yeah, arms. Yeah. But I, we started to feel much better after that. What was that, you know, first day one, day two of Luna's life, you know, mm-hmm. after she was born? Like, I, I had, I mean, we had an experience of kind of being disconnected at first. Um, and I guess I assume maybe incorrectly that it was very different for you um what did it feel like to finally have her in your arms it was wonderful yeah yeah i think that not everyone feels like they fall in love with their baby right away mm-hmm. but i definitely was in love with her right away yeah yeah it was the best do you feel did brett have the same experience mm-hmm. as you mm-hmm. yeah yeah um yeah definitely that's awesome yeah well thank you for sharing that uh, yes um can you so as you approach one year of parenthood, um, 
what has surprised you the most? Oh, wow. What surprised me the most? Probably the things that people tell you, but you just, when you experience it, it's it's your own. And you're like, oh, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't kidding. They weren't, this is, yeah, this is what they said was accurate. Um, I think that the times of feeling really overwhelmed were surprising to me. Um, I think it was surprising to me that I I had a lot of anxiety about her sleep and how she was taking really poor naps mm-hmm. <laughs> for a while there. Um, and that was, I found that really stressful. There's reading books about how important sleep was, is, and, um, yeah, I found that really, I was, I had a really high anxiety about that. So I think that was surprising to me. And also, you know, when those, uh, when you go to the doctor for the baby checkups and they give you the depression screen, um, and they say, do you feel like this is your fault? And I remember being like, who else Who else would be in charge of this? <laughs> I'm pretty much the one who's in charge of this. So um, I scored for positive for mild depression, um, I think around that time when she was napping so poorly. And I thought at first, like, well, I don't really think that's true. And then I think later that night I had a little breakdown. <laughs> and um, so that was surprising to me. Um, those things I didn't. I mean, I wanted to keep an eye out for postpartum depression, but I was—I felt like probably wanting a baby really, really badly was going to be a bit protective. Mm-hmm. And I think it actually was in many ways um, protective. I think there's a lot of hard stuff that comes with um, having a baby and, and that big transition and really, really wanting a baby for a long time. It's helpful in that transition. We, yeah, I think both Brett and I were really ready to be parents. And while we missed the freedom of not having a kid and missed some of the things that our friends were doing that we weren't able to go to, we were just like, this is what we wanted. When sometimes when I was going out late at night, I was like, I don't even want to do this. <laughs> you know, just yeah, yeah. so many parts of our lives had already been trying to transition to that. What have you, I guess that's a great segue. What have you really loved about, what have you really loved about motherhood in the last, let's say the last month? Um, I, I love Luna. <laughs> <laughs> I love family time. Um, yeah, she's really something that I guess every parent thinks out about their kid, which is appropriate. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I love, I love going on walks with her. I love having her like feel the budding leaves in the springtime and, I love telling her, even though she doesn't understand yet, up in the in the winter, you know, we'd walk on a frosty street and I talk to her about like how this street is doesn't have frost because of the sunshine. And then we talk about like raindrops and surface tension of water and the <laughs> rain and just the world is like I think it's just even talking to her about it makes me go, water is amazing. Like water <laughs> is extraordinary. Yeah. And the different properties of water are amazing. So um that's been really lovely. I really like that. Awesome. Yeah. Same question to you, Allison. I don't think we we've had a oh, chance to yeah. check in about what have you really enjoyed about motherhood this last month? I haven't <laughs> discovered the wonders of water tension lately. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um although I agree with with Lucy that it is wonderful and I mean osmosis is pretty critical to us all and and just water but um I digress uh science science I know um I think actually in the last couple weeks what has struck me um because I I think Jason and I had different experiences than Lucy as far as our introduction to parenthood and and Wes. And I think just in the last month or two, I have become surprised in a really wonderful way of how much my love for Wes has grown exponentially. And even though you should expect that, and it's, you know, natural to, to love your child, I guess I'm still surprised at how strong it can be sometimes Uh, and seeing him grow into his own person and have starting to have personality and connecting with him in different ways. Uh, And 
feeling really wonderful when he gets upset when I leave the room. Because like for a long time, that that actually didn't happen, even though the books were saying, oh, yeah, yeah, he's going to get upset and he's going to be happy when he sees you. And he seemed happy when he saw me, but he seemed happy when he saw anyone. So, (laughs) um, And so having those strong feelings of connection and love, it's kind of hitting me over the last month of, and I guess that just surprised me. What about, what about you? Yeah. Fatherhood the last month. Uh, I think something that I really enjoy, I mean, you and I talked a little, a lot about just, he's so much more engaged in the world and kind of the same experiences in terms of having him discover things for the first time, like in, in a genuine way, not like in a, I'm a baby, whatever's going on. But like we we went on a um on a walk in a nearby um kind of nature park area and like he was like really grabbing onto the ferns and I was like, oh yeah, well these aren't like traditional plants because they're produced by spores. Remind me to wash your hands later, Wes. But like he was like really excited about it and like looking around and really engaged. And that was that was a lot of fun. Even though today was he was a little bit fussy today, but that was still like an enjoyable part and like definitely the positives like greatly outweighed. Uh, the negatives that was that was a good it was a good day yeah and it just I feel like when you experience things all over again through the eyes of your child and the wonder of what you see on your walk and the buds and the water uh, but also just like bouncing a ball in gravity he's just like what is happening that's so crazy (laughs) and I'm like it is kind of crazy like the the properties of this ball it's it's so nuts Uh, and feeling that love of life in the way and also appreciating that they don't know to be self-conscious or jealous or you know well i guess maybe he's jealous of us sometimes but just like his, like his whole like, body laughing like yeah yeah just like yeah his whole body experiences those emotions and it's so interesting to see it unfiltered um through a child I don't know. It's it's amazing to see and watch. Mm-hmm. And it amazes me to think that, you know, watching our friends who have a two-week newborn, that you really do have to teach them everything. Because, like, you were talking about Luna and sleeping. You have to teach them how to sleep. And you would think that would just be inherent, but it's not. No. Um, and having that awesome responsibility to teach your kid all those things. Including sleeping and eating and the basic normal functions. <laughs> I remember when we were leaving the hospital um, with Luna and I was going to put clothes on her for the first time. She just wore a swaddle blanket and a diaper the entire time we were there. And I was like, she's never, she's never worn clothes before. Yeah. <laughs> and I held on. I was like, so these are pants. <laughs> like, what, what are pants, mom? <laughs> What a yeah, strange concept. What are pants? Yeah. What are pants? Anyway. For sure. Yeah. Or like Wes like had salmon for the first time. Um and like he, he had his initial like, oh, what is this? But then it was just like I'm just reaching in and I'm just showing it in my mouth as fast as I can. It was I mean, it helped that it was covered in butter. <laughs> butter, butter and fennel. Yeah, it was it was good. Uh oh, I have a lot of questions, but I don't want to keep you too long. Let's see. Um how has your own upbringing influenced or shaped your own parenting style? Um, so the her upbringings and how it's influenced me as a parent. One thing that I oh so maybe I won't digress that much. Okay. <laughs> um, one thing that I think I have generally gotten from my upbringing, which I would say you know they say like hardship builds character. I, I think that that's somewhat true, which I am unfortunate. I like, I never thought I'd, I'd say that that's true. Um, but I, you know, we really didn't have a lot of money and I wore a lot of thrift clothes growing up and we lived in the city of San Francisco and there were, I went to school with some pretty well off kids or their families were, I suppose those kids weren't bringing in the dough. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and Definitely was made fun of for my clothing mm-hmm. and a lot of other things. I mean, I was pretty awkward in many ways. Um, there were lots of things to choose from if you were going to make fun of me. <laughs> but I uh, I think that, you know, being way too tall and clumsy and just feeling like all the eyes were on me all the time because I was so big and then having really awkward clothes, you know, and then for a while I was wearing like weird mom clothes because I was such a giant 
sixth right. grader, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? Yeah. And also an awkward giant eighth grader. And I, so I think that those things m- mean that in order to survive, you can't only care about what other people think mm-hmm. about you. And so while I'm not free of that, for sure, I still care about what other people think. But I, I think there is, de- I definitely feel somewhat grounded or centered around what I want and what doesn't doesn't matter in that area. And I really would hope for Luna to have a similar like centering um, of who she is and what she wants and what matters to her and not just like looking for approval or applause from the world around her. Um, yeah, I'd say that I not that everyone I meet is so much more shallow than I am. That's not actually what I <laughs> yeah. think. Yeah. Um, but I think that like Brett is also a Leo, so he just would really love all the adoration. But he grew up, you know, with more more affluent and doesn't have the same, I think, ability to go. Well, that that actually doesn't matter. Or oh, I don't mean just to make it sound like he can't ever prioritize mm-hmm. <laughs> or yeah. care about what's truly important. But um, I would say that I am less, I, I don't know how to sum it up. Uh, yeah. I, I hope that Luna can really feel like grounded in herself and, and learn who she is and feel, be okay with like the, the f- process of figuring that out. And yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I have had experiences as a young kid that were very painful to go through, but helped shape who I am today. And where I, you know, looking back on it, very important to become an empathetic, oh my gosh, empathetic person. Yeah, Yeah, I got it. I can get through it. Um, (laughs) And self-aware. And although I want to protect Wes from having similar painful experiences, I've, it's like, is that a rite of passage? Is that a thing you need to go through to, to develop to... those feelings? Because I, I don't want you to be that a-hole kid that has always had everything given to him and like never has a moment where he's hurt and so he can't connect with other people who are also hurting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's another thing I've been thinking about the last few days of like, would I want him to go through that in order to attain those um, attributes, the, you know, be, be a good person? Because um, I'm not sure what I've developed into the person I am today if I hadn't have gone through those hardships. I wonder too. I, yeah. I wonder if there, if you actually do have to go through adversity. Yeah. And does everyone go through adversity? So it's sort of how you process it mm-hmm. and who's helping you mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah. Or, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's required. Yeah. And also, I'm like, well, if he does go through those things, I'll be able to help him get through it and to explain it. But then I'm like, wait, when you're 11 years old, you can't quite understand, you know, higher reasoning <laughs> and other things to help you through that. <laughs> in the moment it's only later when you're looking back but yeah i kind of you know you having gone through that awkwardness the the, the kids that were that had more money and had more things but then making having gone through that being the unique self-confident person that you are so it's it's definitely a balance and you want to protect your kid but you also want them to experience the world <laughs> become better at navigating it <laughs> for sure yeah i i definitely um you know my as uh, more or less the son of of chinese immigrants yeah definitely um lots of issues around money or you know allison and i have very spirited debates like just in terms of our relationships with money and things like that it's definitely something we've navigated or, or something that um i thought about quite a bit um so definitely or just even uh, growing up in a in a smallerish town of mostly white people is uh, was definitely something that, in terms of my personal formation. So yeah, is that hard? I mean, when you and Brett got together, and 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 now after Luna, are there things that growing up you your worlds were so different that it makes it hard for your relationship right now to see eye to eye on things? I think it will be difficult when it comes to like what like materially she can have things. Yeah, mm-hmm. material things. I think um 
Like at one point I was like, I just want her to have long enough jeans. <laughs> if she can just <laughs> right. have jeans that fit, that will be, that will just be great. And he's like, of course she can have jeans that fit. That will be, that will be, of course we can do that. Right. And he's like, she can have, she, he said, she can have like whatever she wants. And I'm like, no, that is not, <laughs> yeah. she can shop at secondhand stores and mm-hmm. she doesn't have to, but like, that'll be like the, the world does not need another amazing consumer the world does not need that anyway so sometimes yes even as we're agreeing we disagree Mm -hmm. i think that's a new you know there's so many new things that your marriage encounters after becoming parents because i feel like our marriage is so different now in this um but one of those challenges is navigating parenthood together and how you want to raise your kid. And I feel like in the first year, your goals are the same of <laughs> feed, sleep, <laughs> keep them alive. Yeah. And I feel like we're just now maybe starting on this, like, wait, how do we discipline or how do we shape mm-hmm. this person or yeah. how, what sports or art do we introduce them to? And do we make them do it or do we let them choose their own path, even if that might be a bad one? Mm-hmm. So. I, I'm really interested to see where this road takes us all. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say one more thing uh, about um, about sort of like hoping that your child has empathy and like is a kind person and um, grounded and centered in who they are and what they, what they care about. And then also on the other hand, um, I think in my – later on I really felt – you know, when I was like in my teens and early 20s, when I was still a Christian, I felt really a huge burden to um, like that every interaction was supposed to be a certain way or, or that, you know, I needed to make sure that I wasn't isolating certain people or even if they were really challenging for me to be around or just like always felt like I had to just I just felt a huge amount of responsibility for the every single way I was in the world and and also like what was my motivation for every single thing I did or didn't do mm-hmm. and it was really oh that's huge that's too much and um I think in like philosophy 101 or something mm-hmm. there was this I can't even remember anything about it but there's like one philosopher who just basically was like you are meaningless and everything is meaningless and I found just that idea like super liberating <laughs> like I'm not in charge of not what like everything I do does not matter that is definitely like there's an interesting way I want to raise her to under like to weigh her way in the world and also mm-hmm. to like not be she's not in charge of every single right. thing in person and Anyway, so I just thought that was so – we'll see how that pans out. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you the, uh, very, the rest of the situation. I'm very empathetic nihilist. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing matters, but I feel you. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, then just a real quick question to end on a – maybe on a uh, not nihilistic note yeah. would be um, what – uh, as you and Brett have raised this very gorgeous long-haired baby, <laughs> what have you? What has surprised you? Or what have you really appreciated about Brett uh, seeing him as a father? I, um, he has such a tender spot for her, of course, and um, he's really a goofball around her. He has no no goofiness. He would not partic- participate in in order to make her laugh and um, play around with her. And um, yeah, he really, he really loves her and he's a wonderful dad. And I don't know that that's surprising, but um, it's lovely. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we have a few minutes that I've reserved. Do you have any questions? Thank you for answering all of our questions. We Mm -hmm. asked you a lot of big questions. Um, Do you have any questions for us? Yes. <laughs> As I say, you don't have, you don't to, have, have to have questions. questions for us. One of my questions is in what way were you, what did you learn? What music did you learn? The piano? Uh, um, ooh, that, yes. So a couple of things. Uh, we, uh, all three of us, so I'm the youngest of three siblings. So all three of us started violin when we were at the age of three. Oh. Um, and uh, one still plays the violin. Uh, one stopped in high school and I stopped in middle school. But we were also really heavily involved in our Methodist church. So um, 
probably since second grade, uh, I've been involved in multiple choirs, church choirs. <laughs> Sorry, Allison knows this too. Uh, so multiple church choirs. Uh, I did handbells in church. Of course, just. I was like, don't <laughs> leave out the handbells. <laughs> I did the handbells, hand chimes. And his oh mom still goodness. does handbell concerts. <laughs> concerts too. Um, uh, yeah, some people Messiah. are really amazing with the handbells. It's, Would it's you of, count yourself amongst them? Uh, no, but as like... One of the few men in the handbell chorus, community. like in the community, uh, you know, you can. The, some of those handbells get really big. Like I'm making a big gesture, but they're they're really heavy because they're playing these really yeah. low bass class. Yeah. Notes. You do like two handed handbell. You can do you can do well, definitely yeah. Like you want two hands or some. Or you some, just like brace it with your shoulder, as exactly. I saw you maybe just do over the radio. You, you you stop it with your shoulder, right? You're typically wearing gloves because you, your hand oils will affect the the timber of the bell. All these type of th- there's a lot of things you could. Uh, wow. Handbells are very fascinating. So when are you having a handle episode? No, go ahead. <laughs> I know. I think we need to have a Peps group reunion where we talk about handbells. Handbells are really the expensive. handbells well, are the, yeah. is the guest speaker. It's true. Better than Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> or clearing the bars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've had a I've had a uh, kind of a huge uh, music has been a, a huge part of my family's life and um, definitely something that I've always loved doing. Yeah. Okay, I have another question for you. Yeah. At what point do you still consider yourself a Methodist? No, oh. uh, stopped in high school. I would say. Oh, this has never been on the record. Uh, no, no. Your <laughs> parents could be listening. My parents could be listening if they could figure out how to work a podcast. Uh, I would say, you know, I attended church for a really long time, but I guess never like really felt it, felt it. And that's something that I really came to have um, probably around my senior year of high school, but then just something that I formally stopped just in college, just going away to college, I think even my purposeful selection of um, both my sisters went to a Methodist school, um, a free Methodist school here in Seattle. Um, and I, I did not was definitely, I think, another kind of very formal, like, nope, this is not for me kind of kind of moment in my life. Okay. Um, I have one more question. Of course. Do you plan to include any depiction of handbells in a diorama? <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, that would be that would be tricky. It would be. I would yeah. say you might have remembered this from your childhood. Do you remember the California Raisins, the claymation yes. specials? They did a Christmas claymation special that did different segments of like a really cool like um, the Three Kings of uh, uh, like kind of a jazzy version, and they did like the I like this. Vaguely tris- remember this, or I'm trying to make it up. But uh, it, when next time you're up late at night because Luna's ill or something, it's all on YouTube. Okay. Um, but there's a whole handbell segment where like the handbells are playing themselves with mallets. Oh. Anyway, uh, so that's how we can incorporate that into our diorama, and, and everyone should watch the California Raisins Christmas special. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. I had no idea. <laughs> oh, handbell. I'm sorry I didn't ask you any questions. I That's thought okay. that my question no, about... I, yeah. I'm learning new things about my husband that I never knew. So okay. there you go. It's been enlightening for us both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you uh, so much again for being on the podcast. Um, cool. Well, yeah. thank you again. We'll mm-hmm. definitely have you on at some point. Yes. Thank you. <laughs>